there is a lion in heaven who is worthy to open the seven seals, but there is also a lamb as if it's been slain, the same as the lion. Very interesting. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembrick. I'm Janice. And as we study this today in Revelation chapter five, we're gonna be focusing on who is this guy who is all a lion and also a lamb? What is going on? Heaven was changed by what he did on earth. Gonna be very interesting. Now, Corey is here with Ryan. Corey? Today, I'm going to be talking about the role and importance of salt. Ryan? Well, yesterday we talked about the seven letters to the seven churches. So today we're going to be talking about another seven things, the seven spirits before God's throne. Just what or who are these spirits? That's a really good question. Very good. Okay, Janice? Praise to the Lord from all creation. All right, let's get our Bibles out and open it up and let's look at what God is saying here and let's find out. Revelation 5, verses 1 through 14. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth, or under the earth, was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much, because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne, and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. 
and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. I need to encourage you to make sure that you're on the mailing list for next year to receive your Bible guide automatically as we start the Bible again in January. And uh, you can write to us and all of that if you want to, but I really encourage you, or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And today we're reading Revelation chapter four and five. You know, Jesus Christ fulfilled all the requirements on earth. He did. And in heaven, to free humankind from sin and destruction. Now this work is shown throughout the Bible and is particularly clear to us in Revelation chapter five. Now today, reading Revelation four and five, we quickly learn that God is preparing John to see what Jesus Christ actually did for us from heaven's point of view. That's from up there looking down here. Uh, he says, quote, after these things I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like the trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you the things which must take place after this. Revelation 4, verse 1. From now on, this statement, and I saw, will be repeated over and over again by John, illustrating that he was a witness to the things God had put in place at the end of time. And this is important for us to really pay attention to because if we've not focused on most things or we've lost our focus on other things, you need to put your focus today on God and remember to get your Bible guide. Keep that in mind. Now, as we look at this, I need to pray because we're talking about Jesus Christ and Revelation is about the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, you know, as we come to you today, help us to understand that this book is about you. Holy Spirit, teach us your ways and show us your path. Help us, Lord, to hear what you're saying. And we sense, Spirit of God, that you are speaking to many of the people right now who are watching on the internet, are watching on the stations, or watching somewhere on the phones. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that your Holy Spirit would come down and cover them as they scan your word and look at it. Speak to them, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen. Revelation 5, verse 1. Here's what the Bible says. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. 
So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, take note, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and to loosen its seven seals. Verse six, and I looked and behold, take note, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. You know, the Lord is both the Lion of Judah and the Lamb as though it had been slain. Jesus Christ is both of those. God's timing is everything. We are in the time of repentance through Jesus Christ. We are in the time of grace in Jesus Christ. But let me tell you something. There's a time when that began, and there will be a time when that ends. And Revelation chapter 19 has those details. I want to tell you something. God is going to descend. And when he descends, Jesus Christ makes war. Now, we're not comfortable with that, but that's the reality. That's his truth, not ours. Because we, we like to see Jesus as just helping people. That's how he is right now. But that will change in the future. Be ready with your spirit and with your soul to be captured with him before judgment comes. Very important. Revelation 5 verse 7 says, Then he came and he took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. What? God keeps our prayers close to him. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. The Lord Jesus Christ has the right and the power to rule. And we are to rule with him over the earth. The time we now have is to repent. This is your time to repent. Come to Jesus and say, Jesus Christ, I believe that you paid the cost of my sin. Forgive me of my sin. Help me today. Live in my life and be Lord of my life. I believe you rose from the dead in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at the scripture. Revelation chapter 5, verse 11. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. The living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb, the lamb who was slain. This is what they're singing in heaven. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. 
and every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them. I heard them saying, John says, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, amen. Make it so, amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. And the point is this, everyone and every creature ever created was heard worshiping and praising the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, we must praise the Lord. We must praise the Lord. We must praise God. Psalms tells us 150 ways. Praise the Lord. All you who know Jesus, praise the Lord because he lives in his praise. And that's the right thing to do. Satan is around us every day. That'll come to an end. But even in this time, in the presence of our enemies, we must praise the Lord Jesus Christ in Jesus' name. And we said together, Amen. Now, for most of us today, salt is something that we pick up at the grocery store or the market and we season our food with it. Uh, but that's pretty much as far as it goes for us. But in the ancient world, both the Old Testament and New Testament times, salt had much more significance. You know, in our modern day of refrigeration, we don't need as many preserving agents as we once did in order to, you know, have food all year long. And salt played an integral role in the preservation of food in the ancient world. Uh, you know, in Israel, a lot of us think of the Dead Sea when we think of salt production, but actually archaeologists have shown relatively recently that there was also quite a bit of uh, salt production that went on along the Mediterranean coast. So let's check it out. It's a commonly known truth in ancient Near Eastern studies that salt was an important staple of everyday life. Salt enhances the flavor of food, increasing the enjoyment of the meal, and it had many other practical uses. Salt enabled the preservation of fish and other meats, as well as fruits and vegetables, making it an invaluable tool of survival. It was used in the production of cheese, in the processing of leather, the glazing of bricks and ceramics, textile dyeing, medicine, and cosmetics. Salt had religious significance, including as an important addition to the sacrificial offerings of Israel. It was also used as an offensive weapon in warfare. After a conquering army had taken territory or destroyed a city, if they wanted to really drive home the destruction, they would sow the city and surrounding fields with salt. Symbolically, this preserved its destruction. Physically, it made the fields inhospitable to crops, making rebuilding an unlikely, or at least a very difficult, affair. 
Because of all these uses, salt was a prized commodity, and the fact that it's long-lasting and easy to store accounts for its famous use as payment to soldiers in the Roman period. In biblical Israel, it has recently been proven that salt production and harvesting happened along Israel's northern Mediterranean coast and not just in the more obvious Dead Sea region. There were several steps and environmental factors needed to harvest sea salt. First, the source of the salt, in this case the Mediterranean Sea, watertight evaporating pans for the water to settle and evaporate in, leaving behind the crystallized salt, and weather that was hot and dry for long enough to facilitate large-scale evaporation. Today, the visible remains of 28 ancient salt works have been explored. They consist of rock-cut channels, wells, and large evaporating pans that are located around modern Haifa. Due to their reuse throughout the ages, it's impossible to know for sure how old they are, although researchers are confident that they were in use from at least the 2nd century BC to the 13th century AD. To harvest salt from the sea, water first has to be collected. This was done in a few ways depending on the topography of the seashore. A lifting slope could be carved in a rocky shoreline, or a channel could be cut or created that would utilize wave energy to move the water in towards the pan or a well. If the water was collected in a well, it would need to be lifted out and directed toward the evaporating pan which itself was a large, shallow pool either naturally occurring or carved in the ground. Animals with a bucket and pulley system, or a chain and bucket system, were often used to lift seawater out of the wells and into conveying channels. Once in the evaporating pans, the seawater was left to evaporate. The salt would then be harvested by hand, stacked in piles, and collected for distribution. So there we go. Uh, you know, salt was incredibly important. It was incredibly valuable. And I think the archaeological evidence really shows that uh, with how many salt installations, not only on the Mediterranean Sea, but also on the Dead Sea, there actually was in ancient Israel. And, and it's not like it is today, mm -hmm. uh, but they use salt to to keep things preserved and all of that. Mm -hmm. And even in the sacrifices, and Jesus uses it as imagery and symbolism as well. So it was a pretty important part of ancient culture. That, it's absolutely fascinating. You know, it, it's really interesting. Uh, thank you, Corey, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, well, you know, we're on day number two of our Revelation study. And even if you're casually reading the book, you can't help but notice all the occurrences of the number seven. As a matter of fact, there are so many sevens in the book that I heard one Bible scholar say that it's probably not possible to make an exhaustive list of all the sevens, because whatever number you come up with, there's probably seven times that many. Well, yesterday we talked about the seven letters to the seven churches. And today, as sort of a continuation, we're going to be looking at another seven things, specifically the seven spirits before the throne of God. Just what or who are these spirits? Let's study. John the Revelator, in his opening remarks, greets the seven churches of Asia in the name of him who is, and who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. While it's clear that both God the Father and God the Son are present here, what isn't immediately obvious are the seven spirits before God's throne. What or who are these spirits? Interestingly, the expression seven spirits occurs four times in Revelation, 
And while some identify them as angels, most scholars see it as a reference to the Holy Spirit. This is based on several clues. For one thing, equating the seven spirits with the Holy Spirit would be the most natural understanding of Revelation 1-4, because it makes all three persons of the Godhead present. Second, while these seven spirits could conceivably be angels, they certainly couldn't be the angels of the seven churches of Asia, since those are listed separately and in addition to the seven spirits in Revelation 1-4. But third, and most important, Revelation is not the first occurrence of the sevenfold Holy Spirit. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 2, for example, could very well be alluding to this very thing. Speaking of the future Messiah, the prophet declares that the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Since the number seven in the Bible symbolizes the complete and perfect work of God, it's no surprise that the Messiah was also to be endowed completely and perfectly with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Although some do consider this interpretation of Isaiah 11:2 to be rather speculative, Zechariah leaves us little room for doubt regarding the identification of this seven-faceted spirit. For example, in Zechariah 3:9, this post-exilic prophet proclaims, For behold, the stone that I have laid before the high priest Joshua, upon the stone are seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave its inscription, says the Lord of hosts. I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. Here we have the perfect oversight, the providential care of God, the Holy Spirit, represented by the seven eyes engraved on the stone set before the high priest. These eyes also appear in Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10. It says, For who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoiced to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord which scanned to and fro throughout the whole earth. Therefore, based upon the rest of scripture, it seems that the seven spirits before God's throne in Revelation is indeed an image of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, just an important closing note to keep in mind, Revelation uses a lot of symbols and so doesn't necessarily present the particular person or cosmic power in actual appearance, but is a symbolic form that's intended to teach the human observer, which in this case is John on the island of Patmos, something about the qualities and characteristics of the person, which in this case is the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Because remember that a dove represented the Holy Spirit at the time of Jesus Christ's baptism, and multiple tongues of fire represented him at Pentecost. So the Holy Spirit is symbolized in various ways throughout Scripture, but always in a guise appropriate to the occasion. Fascinating. What a really interesting piece. Thank you, Ryan. Janice? I love this section of Revelation in Revelation chapter 5, especially starting at verse 8. I can't even imagine the magnificence and the majesty of the praise to God that happens in this scene that John gets to witness and be a part of when Jesus takes the scroll because he is the only one found worthy to be able to even take the scroll, let alone to open the seals because we see here in verses 8 through 10 the four living creatures and the 24 elders they sing a new song 
Then in verses 11 and 12, it says, then the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. And then listen to this. The number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands declared worthy is the lamb who was slain. And they go on to sing this song and, and praise God. Then verse 13, if that wasn't enough, then every creature which is in heaven and on the earth, under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them said blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. I can almost feel that. I just feel a charge even as I'm reading the words here to you. And that's the spirit of God. This is the spirit of truth that we're reading. Things that John saw and is able to articulate as best as he can to us. Now, that reminded me of Psalm 148 that is called Praise to the Lord from Creation. Listen to this. It begins with Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you stars of light. Praise him, you heavens of heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He also established them forever and ever. He made a decree which shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all the depths, fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and heaven, and he has exalted the horn of his people, the praise of all his saints, of the children of Israel, a people near to him. Praise the Lord. Isn't that amazing? What a great psalm. Oh, my word. I can just feel it stirring, and I hope that you feel that same excitement within you. We need to be ready because Jesus says, be ready. I am coming quickly. And these are true words, and we want to thank you. We're coming up to the end of the year. You've made it from Genesis right through to Revelation, and every day we're getting closer and closer to the end. You know, the last word in the Bible is amen. Make it so. And you are coming very closely to the amen. And I want to say thank you for being with us this year. And if you're just a brand new viewer saying, what is this program? We are a family, passionate about the word of God. He sent his word to deliver us from our destruction, to heal us and deliver us from our destruction. And we know that each one individually and as a family. And we encourage you to join us again in January next year, where we're gonna start in the book of Genesis at the beginning. And we are going to go through the year until the end of the year in Revelation with the Amen in Revelation 22. Join us.